Uh, welcome to hashtag my investing story. Um, we are here with a special guest, Eve Lewis. Uh, but before we get started, my name is Ioni, uh, also known as Ioni McNeil. Uh, I am flying solo today. We, I do not have my co-host, Miss Ann McNeil, on. Uh, so <clears throat> before we get started, just to give you a quick background, my investing story is a podcast and it's an outreach effort to um, let people hear other regular people's story, stories uh, about how they became successful long-term investors. Miss um, Ann and I and many of our guests are members of Better Investing, also known as NAIC. We, we were established seven, over 70 years ago in 1951 and we're a national 501c, 501c3 nonprofit organization that has helped more than 5 million people from all walks of life learn how to improve their financial future. Uh, we provide unbiased investment education, um, and we do that through a, a number of uh, tools and through our Better Investing magazine. Um, so this is also a disclaimer that uh, this session is for informational and educational purposes only, and that we are not making any uh, stock recommendations or giving stock tips uh, or any of that sort. So with that, hello, Eve. Hello, Ioni. Thank How you are... for having me. Yes, of course. How are you? I'm doing great. We've got some uh, spring-like weather here in Cincinnati. Mm, okay. Are you originally from Cincinnati? Uh, I am not. I'm originally from southeastern Michigan in the area called the Thumb. And but I have lived here in Cincinnati for I think it's now close to 40 years. So, you know, uh, there is that sort of Michigan and Ohio rivalry. So I'm on both. I have one one foot in each side. <laughs> <laughs> OK, cool. So just to give uh, people uh, a quick background um, uh, of you. Um, Eve has served on the Better Investing Board of Directors since 2008, and uh, as we now call you uh, the vice chair, uh, since you just finished your uh, term as chair, uh, but Eve has been a member of Better Investing for over 30 years and is an advocate for personal financial security and believes everyone can manage a successful portfolio by deploying the Better Investing Principles. Uh, she holds a BS and MS in business education from Northern Michigan. Um, Eve, talk to us a little bit about um, your first memories and experiences of money, um, how, how you kind of learned how to manage money way before you started learning how to invest. Well, I grew up on a farm and my parents were very thrifty. Um, I have uh, three siblings, two older brothers and a younger sister. And I, you know, I look back and think we had everything we needed provided by my parents, but the things we wanted, we had to buy on our own. And uh, living on a farm, there's no shortage of chores. So uh, not being able to earn money was no excuse. And, uh, and one of my you know, earliest memories is uh, making 50 cents an hour. So I guess you could say, I also learned the value of what a dollar could buy. So, um, so I, you know, I uh, did start earning money quite young and um, and when I was uh, in, in high school, I took business classes. And so once I um, developed some typing and communication skills, I moved off the farm <laughs> or moved, my uh, jobs took me other places than the farm. But I really value my uh, farm background and the farm is still in existence uh, today. And uh, actually my nephew, and his family who live in our family home, um, he is the fifth generation uh, farmer in our family. Oh, so wow. I'm quite proud of it. 
Wow, yeah, that's amazing. Uh, talk to us about maybe some specifics around um, the savings habit that you probably developed, you know, while being mm-hmm. on the farm growing up, uh, mm-hmm. you know, having to really utilize the resources that, that did come your way. Well, I guess you would say once, um, I, you know, again, I think with as, as most young people or kids, once they, when they start earning money, they may have a goal of something they want. Uh, and, and so, you know, you keep the cash on hand and, you know, you spend it when you have it. And uh, I guess it was later on when I really started getting a paycheck and I probably got a paycheck and when I was 16 years old, as, as a lot of my, you know, friends back at that time, you know, really started uh, working then. So I would have had a savings account and, you know, keep some cash, put the rest in the bank. Well, that that's one thing that one of the main reasons I wanted to bring you on as a guest, um, uh, we're jumping kind of near the end, but I want to lead up to it is because um, after you became a widow, Mm -hmm. better investing played such a major role in um, giving you hope, stabilizing uh, your new life and providing a lot of benefits you knew you would get, like, you know, investment education, but also some other benefits such as uh, community and camaraderie. Um, But I do want to ask you a dated question around, you know, coming up the way you did, like you said, getting your first job at 16, getting married, having kids, being a woman during that time, what was your personal view on money and responsibility and responsibility for yourself? And let's, let's just take it uh, as a newlywed, you know, with your husband. Um, did you talk about marriage? I'm not marriage, but did you talk about, you know, finances before you got married? Uh, did you divvy things up? Uh, it's interest. I think it'll be interesting to hear kind of, uh-huh. you know, your perspective at that point in your life. Well, thank you. Um, yes, I, uh, we, of course, did talk about money because we wanted to buy a house. We were a little older when we got married. And, um, you know, we talked about budget. What could we afford? We didn't want to be house poor. We um, talked about while we would have two incomes, really um, kind of living off one income and either saving or investing um, the rest. My husband was a teacher, so he was eligible for a 403B. Um, I uh, worked in industry, so I had a 401k. And, um, you know, we learned at at the time, and I'm really glad we did. Um, of course, I've got I got a match, but I also maxed um, what I could do each year. And um, you know, the other thing I think we've got to remember about um, you know contributing. You know, we're always contributing so that we would grow our nest egg. Well, it's also a benefit to defer taxes annually. You know, it brings down, you know, the amount, of course, uh, each year, uh, you know, because it's deferring the tax. Of course, later on, you know, you will be taking the tax or you will be paying tax when you start um, taking uh, the uh, required minimum distribution or more. But that will be when you are at a lower tax rate because you're retired and you're, you know, not uh, you you would not have as much income. Right. Um, Talk to us about, you know, at that time, you know, your hopes and dreams as a couple, because I I think sometimes people don't know how to talk about money because they weren't around people that talked about money. A lot of times, the most we hear at home is uh, go to school, get a good education, get a good Mm -hmm. job. Um, make sure you pay your bills on time. 
mm-hmm. that's the extent, you know, you, you would probably have to run into somebody to say, hey, make sure you contribute to your retirement account. Right now, people are talking about make sure you have an emergency fund. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of allowed you and your husband at that time to even be aware, but you also said you're kind of older, but be aware of let's talk about retirement. Let's contribute to retirement. Because as you know, a lot of people don't think about retirement until it's you know, 10, 15 years away. Um, well, I think part of it had to do with the fact that I was a business teacher and I worked in business publishing. So I was familiar with, even though retirement at that time seemed so far off in the future. Um, and, and if people, uh, younger people can't think about retirement, where I try to sell them is the tax advantage, you know, put money away, it will lower your, your taxes. So try, try to go about it that way. But um, I also was intrigued about investing in stocks. Um, of course, I, I didn't grow up that way. I think my family had a healthy respect for the stock market, but uh, their profits went into livestock, went into purchasing equipment, and I was going to mention that later too, as, um, as I started my own portfolio, I would follow agriculture stocks because I felt I had maybe a little, um, little more knowledge about that industry. And, and I was you know, interested in, in companies that served um, agriculture. And as you know, it's, it is a huge industry. But um, where I got my start was um, while I was working, I became acquainted with a gentleman in a professional organization that I belonged to for business teachers. He was an entrepreneur and he was very successful. And he and several other local businessmen in Flint, Michigan started a bank and um, it was public. And I thought, well, he is a successful businessman. So I'm expecting the bank to be successful. And fortunately it was. <laughs> and, um, and unfortunately for me, because that was pre better investing principles, um, you know, I, I did pretty well, but I didn't do, you know, that was before I knew uh, how to do an SSG and how to evaluate stocks. However, I guess I can say that one of our standards is good management. You know, we want to buy companies with good management. So, so I can check that box, but, but I was lucky. And um, what I felt was, was a barrier to investing um, was not, you know, on top of not really knowing, you know, how to evaluate stocks. At that time, um, over 30 years ago, of course, to make trades, you had to spend 40 or $50 to buy and to sell. So that meant, um, you know, oftentimes we were buying in round lots, 100 shares. You had to buy enough shares to make it worthwhile. So um, I always felt, you know, I felt, you know, I really had to think long and hard if I was going to buy something. So around that time, um, I uh, saw an article in the Cincinnati Inquirer and the headline said, buy stocks without paying commission. And so that got my attention. And, um, and, and, and it also um, in, you know, was very enlightening because it talked about the educational um, focus of better investing at, time, at that time, of course, it was National Association of Investors Corporation. And um, I think it gave the address and uh, how to join. So I joined the organization and that really got me on the road to learning about stock investing. At that time, I did not belong to a club and and did not um, think I could because I had a very busy life as um, a wife, mother, and I traveled um, quite a bit for my work. So I really, self-educated myself from the publications um, by Better Investing and attending um, the chapter events 
Here in Cincinnati, our local chapter is OKI, Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana. Very active, you know, very dedicated um, chapter officers and board. So um, I went to training, and of course, back at that time, it was paper and pencil. But um, you know, I stuck with it, and and you know, I you know feel that I have been successful and learned a lot, continue to learn a lot, and um, really think the better investing online tools are fantastic. And now using technology with the webinars and you know, different, you know, regularly scheduled uh, webinars such as Stock Up and Ticker Talk, you know, I, I just um, really enjoy and, and it motivates me to do more research and um, select stocks, challenge some of the stocks I might have in my portfolio, portfolio mm -hmm. and then, um, you know, invest or investigate others. You know, one of the things I liked about what you brought to light, and I didn't realize this was a part of your start, but you actually started like most people do, which is based on somebody you know that's doing it. So you happen to have uh, met a successful businessman uh, who ended up being, you know, in industry in a sense. And was it from his recommendation how you got started in investing? No, he really didn't recommend it. Okay. He didn't necessarily recommend it. He was just, you know, talking about what he was what doing. What he was doing. Okay. He, he owned, he owned um, a couple of successful businesses related to education. And um, so, you know, I think it was a case of, you know, he was so successful, he needed mm. somewhere else to invest his money. Okay. And okay. so, um, cool. So I, and I owned that, that stock was sold several times and, um, and I, uh, stuck with it for for a long period of time and and finally i um sold it a couple of years ago when it became um huntington bank i mean it was a ah, smaller it okay. was a smaller bank okay uh small small um chain of banks in michigan okay okay excellent um talk to us about investing within your family so you know you were married you um, and, and I did want to, if you can, if you can explain what house poor is, uh, cause I think it's, it's a term we know, mm -hmm. but if you're listening, you may not know. And I think right now in this market, oh, I think it, yeah, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be very, very it difficult. Yeah. And, yeah. and trying to avoid being house poor. Um, well, it means, uh, really extending yourself to the maximum, uh, I mean, somebody must be able, must be willing to give you a mortgage, but at that rate, but it is saying, you know, um, that you have dedicated a very high percentage of your salary to your mortgage and that you can probably barely cover um, your other minimum um, needs. And what uh, it, it uh, sets you up for is if you have an emergency, you know, I mean, it's if, if you're kind of living hand to mouth each month, making the mortgage payment and covering your um, other expenses, then you probably are not saving. If you're not saving, at least for your emergency, then you probably don't have any kind of little revenue stream to fund your investments. So, um, you know, trying to advise somebody to say, you know, try to get a reasonably, uh, whether it's a priced house or mortgage or whatever, where you're not committing such a high percentage of the uh, income of that you income have. Mm -hmm. But but I think, you know, in today's market, I think probably because of the, the prices, it's very, very, you know, I, I wouldn't judge anybody on it. <laughs> because it's very difficult to find um, reasonable, reasonably priced housing. And, and uh, I know a lot of people are, are selling their homes because of the high prices, but then I'd say, well, where are you going? <laughs> you know, exactly. I know, you know? A few people in that situation right now. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's, it's, um, you know, it's an awareness, it's an individual choice, but that would be my recommendation is, is, uh, you know, try, try, and it goes back to try to live within your means, Mm -hmm. you know, don't overextend. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, as I said, my husband and I, you know, basically lived on one of our salaries because again, during that period of time, we didn't know if one of us would lose our job. And I think that's what, you know, today's people have, you know, today, uh, people who are, who are considering uh, committing to uh, a mortgage, you know, what would happen if you had half your income? Right. And I, I like what you brought up because it means that even back then, you and your husband were doing contingency planning. You had two incomes, but even in a all is well world, you were saying, hey, mm-hmm. let's live off of one. Mm-hmm. Let's live within our means mm-hmm. and let's dream, mm-hmm. you know, dream to put our children in college. Let's dream to retire comfortably and start to fund our dreams with that other income, correct? Correct. And that's right. And getting to that, when you were asking about what, what else did, you know, my husband and I plan or, um, you know, what did we see in the future? And um, that was certainly it to be able to fund our children's college educations. And, you know, with, with the higher price, I mean, I think, you know, I can look back. Um, I'm going to say I started college, it's going to be 50 years ago. But, um, you know, at the cost when um, most state universities received a lot more funding from the state, um, my brother's sister and I, we could basically pay for our college educations with our nest egg that we started with um, before college and then working during college and working during the summer. And knowing that my kids, you know, they're, they're college graduates now, they, they work during that period of time that was, you know, to, to fund their um, expenses and so on. But, you know, my husband and I wanted to be able to pay for um, tuition and room and board. And that's what my um, portfolio basically funded. When I started my own personal portfolio, and that's, was I'd say, you know, my nest egg, not having to pull money out of other um, investments, our retirement investments. So um, that's where, um, where I started that. And fortunately had, had enough of a head start and my kids were spaced out far enough <laughs> where um, I, that's when I would sell the stock. I'm a, basically a buy and hold person and, um, and again, I think for a busy person, you know, I was thinking about, as you wondered, you know, some barriers for people not getting into the market, they think it's, you know, a lot of work, it's uh, a lot to stay up on top of and follow. And, you know, I'd like to say that if you buy a good quality stock, you can, I don't want to say forget about it, but you, you know, can sleep easy it. at night. You can sleep easy and know that you know there are going to be ups and downs, but you know there are good solid stocks. Where I mean, I think there's a quote by Warren Buffett who said, you know, if you're not willing to hold a stock for ten years, don't think about you know buying it. You know, ten, don't hold it for ten minutes or mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. something like that. So, um, you know, I'm probably now that I have a little bit more time, I am probably uh, doing more research and um, evaluating my holdings a little more carefully. Although I'm not sure I'm any more successful than I was when I bought and hold and sold when uh, I needed, when I, when I had a big ticket item that I wanted to pay for. Right. Let's, um, if, if you don't mind, let's get into actually some specifics, not, not that it has to be too specific, whatever you feel comfortable with, Sure. Um, because I think that as people listen, it's one thing to get concepts generally, but it's another thing to know exactly what that person did. So um, we know that you lived off of one income and did things with the rest. So um, 
was the second income maxing out the retirement accounts for both of you? Was it also investing in the brokerage account? What did it open up any 529 plans? I mean, in terms of specific accounts, uh-huh. and then we'll talk about the purposes of those accounts. Sure. Um, we both, my husband and I both through our, um, you know, payroll fine, uh, funded, he funded 403B to the max. I funded 401K to the max. And when you say the max, you mean the maximum contribution, not just the maximum no. that the employer max. Right, right. The maximum Important. contribution, right. Okay. And right. And um, and so I did that in knowing, too, that we were never going to touch that money. And as you know, there are opportunities to borrow from those accounts and so on. But there's, you know, kind of a heavy penalty or it's just more complicated. And plus, if you do borrow from those accounts, you're you're not uh, making money there. You know, it's not invested. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, so anyways, so, so you had those two retirement accounts and then mm-hmm. what other accounts were you funding? Then, then, um, my portfolio, our Your portfolio. Own, in, within a brokerage account, within a brokerage account. Right. Okay. And now, well, what, I, you know what I should back up and say small in a brokerage account, my portfolio, the early part of it was funded through the low cost plan, which was dollar cost averaging. Okay. And that's what NAIC provided was the opportunity to purchase one share stock and then um, set up the account. And then through the companies um, at the end of the month, when I paid my bills, if I had a couple hundred dollars left over, I would send them to those individual companies and I would buy be buying shares of stock at the market. Okay. So that was the dollar cost averaging concept plan. Right, right. Right. Okay. You know, and now that plan um, isn't available anymore, but fortunately we can uh, you do, know, the have, thing, do the same thing. Do the same thing with, with no cost brokers. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. And that's what we were doing back then. Yes. So yes. thank you to better yeah. investing for providing <laughs> that for us. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and I, so I want to, I have to back up to give people a little bit uh, of a perspective, because I even in listening to this story, my first thoughts are, what even gave you this advantage, right? Because there has to be something going on in terms of either access to information or to people or to experiences that would even allow you to say to yourself, hmm, I have a job, my husband has a job, Let's not just contribute to the max, which is what a lot of people who are scared to invest do. Oh, I'll just contribute up to my employer's contribution. Um, no, you all said, let's contribute to the max. And this is 30, 40 years ago. Yeah, before, uh-huh. you know, yeah at least 35 years ago. Yeah, yeah, this is before media outlets were talking about investing. This is when generally a lot of people uh, were afraid to invest. So, you know, was it because you went to school and got a business degree? Was it because you worked for Cengage and worked in business education publishing? It Was it that exposure to this realm that made you even more comfortable with invest? Because it is all of this, let's say the maxing out of your retirement accounts, was that before you joined Better Investing or after? I think it was right around the same time. Okay. Yeah, right around the same time. So and, you joined trying Better to Investing, read everything. Uh-huh. You jo- you, so you joining Better Investing really allowed you to learn about the concepts of not just contributing to your retirement, but maxing it out and other things. Right. Cause I'm just trying to draw that. Sure. Link. Well, they think of um, the, the columnists, you know, there's regular retirement columnists in um, the magazine, the better and different. Magazine. Yes. Uh-huh. And, and, and uh, different features and so on. And, you know, and, and, you know, reading the wall street journal, reading, you know, the, the publications and, 
And again, you know, gosh, 30, 40 years ago, retirement seems so very far off, but it's not. And that's what I, you know, tell my children, tell my um, nieces and nephews, you know, you turn around and, and you're retired. And I certainly, you know, wanted to have a comfortable retirement and in the part of investing too, that I, you know, preach to, to my, um, relatives and the younger people is um, when you have, um, you know, when you have a comfortable um, investing uh, portfolio, what, what the proceeds provide for you is security. Security is freedom. And that's what I really like. I like to be in this position where um, I am debt free and I have a secure position. And, and two, early on in, um, in this um, investing uh, journey. journey road, knowing that you know, you're not trading, you're not playing the market. And I can remember when I first met uh, Beth Ham. George Nicholson's daughter, who was on our board, and I was working with her in youth investing. And somebody once said something about playing the market, and she said, "We we do not play the market. We are investors." So um, you know, getting that you know clear right away that um, you know by by educating ourselves and by surrounding ourselves with other like-minded people to share um, what we've learned, what we continue to learn, puts us in a position where, you know, financial security is freedom. And I can't emphasize that enough. And, you know, again, people think like it's, you know, isn't that really hard to get there? And, um, you know, I just say live, live within your means, don't overspend. Um, and, uh, you know, do your homework, but I don't want to, you know, I don't think we should be, uh, get analysis paralysis. I mean, I think, you know, we have to get the best information we have and go with it. But, um, I think the community of people that we associate with, um, have been, you know, very helpful and, I feel, um, you know, in the position um, of serving on the board and other uh, various activities with Better Investing is a way I can give back to the organization that helped me achieve security. Wow. And when you talked about security, it actually made me think, did you feel secure before you retired when you were you know, living below your means, saving mm -hmm. and investing. Because I know for mm -hmm. a lot of people, it's a huge jump to investing um, because investing and security usually don't go hand in hand, you know. And for people that really want to feel safe, they save a lot and or they buy insurance, you know, life insurance or... Mm -hmm term insurance, whole life with term insurance. Um, but can you talk about how in your investment education journey, you actually learned how successful long-term investing can provide real security? I, th I think again with, you know, when I was younger, I, I knew older people who were associated with better investing and members and, and so on. And I could see you know, they, I'm doing the same thing they did. And, you know, they've reached a degree of um, success. And I think, again, being in the market for the long term and not trying to um, time the market, invest regularly, the better investing principles, um, you know, by exercising those. Um, and, and again, to back to the, how do you feel secure? How can you pull the trigger and make an investment? I would encourage everybody who's considering this to join a club, join an existing club. And investment the, club. 
Yes, that's what mm -hmm. I mean. An investment mm -hmm. club, um, you know, work, you know, you can learn from the local chapter. You can start a club with um, friends, relatives, um, any number of, you know, people who are associated. So you share the work, you share the responsibility and pool your money. So um, I think most people who are in clubs have their own portfolio too. And sometimes the club, you know, maybe the club has uh, all different securities than you have in your portfolio, but I bet there's a lot of crossover, you know, as, as um, stocks are presented in the club for um, investment, you know, we really analyze it. The, the person who makes the presentation is selling it and, um, you know, I've, I have um, learned certainly about uh, a lot of companies from um, my uh, investment partners. And, um, you know, and I've brought stocks that, uh, you know, interested me to the club. So it's, it's, it's a real good give and take of um, information. And, and then the other thing too is attending um, the Better Investing National Convention. And, there's there's a lot of training sessions as so, far as okay. evaluating stocks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, I was just going to say a quick plug. You brought it up. Um, so this year's Better Investing um, National Convention is going to be in Dallas mm -hmm. uh, at the Western Dallas, uh, June 23rd to the 26th. If you want more information about that, please visit uh, betterinvesting.org. Again, that's betterinvesting.org. And if you are not yet a Better Investing member, uh, feel free to go to betterinvesting.org, scroll all the way down to the bottom, and you will see the free 90-day trial. Mm -hmm. um, and when you sign up, please visit some of the investment clubs. We call them model investment clubs because they are sponsor investment clubs that are sponsored by our local Better Investing chapters. And they are free and open to the public uh, without, you know, uh, prior invitation. This is an open invitation for anybody, whether you're a Better Investing member or not, to come and what I like to call be a fly on the wall. <laughs> you know, visit uh, an investment club and see how do they run their investment club? How do they make their investment decisions? If you want to know anything about better investing, even if you don't want to sign up for the free 90-day trial, we have free online events, um, either nationally or through our local chapters. Uh, visit a workshop, visit an online training, um, visit our website and check out some of our investment education articles, um, or even watch some of our uh, free educational videos. And, you know, really get a sense of the community of Better Investing and why we've been um, the leading nonprofit investment education organization uh, for over 70 years. So mm -hmm. since you brought up Bink, uh, I just wanted to make that plug. And I also, uh, for those who are listening live, um, Better Investing is hosting their uh, stock up session tomorrow, March 3rd, how to use qualitative factors in fundamental analysis. I think that, you know, is an interest uh, for a lot of people that mm -hmm. want to up their um, fundamental um, game, you know, within investment mm -hmm. and their investing strategy. So, you know, back to you, I, I want to say, though, Eve, one thing that I really, um, and getting from you, especially in, the, in this last uh, part that you shared, is just how important mentors, role models, and community is. Because uh, you said something really key, which was, I saw other people doing it. I saw older BI members who were able to invest regularly. And what I like to say is invest $25 a month within an investment club and, you know, end up a millionaire. And it's not because they had high paying jobs. It wasn't because they were entrepreneurs. It wasn't because they worked 60 to 80 hours a week. 
it was simply because they came together, invested mm-hmm. a small amount of money, learned together, and applied that knowledge to really become investors, to become um, financially free and financially independent. Exactly. And and I think the other way we can look at it is, you know, it's a, most of us, I mean, that's the beauty, I think, of membership in Better Investing. You meet people from all walks of life. And, um, you know, we all have you know, a, a, a lot of differences, you know, and uh, geographic differences, um, you know, our, our careers are different, um, you know, where we came from, what our backgrounds, uh, levels of education, and so on. But the one thing I think we had, and maybe we didn't even know it at the time, but then learned, we all, you know, most of us worked um, and had jobs, and so we were earning the money. Now it's time to have the money work for us. And I think that's what we can say is, you know, the uh, increase in value, the um, dividends, the total return, that's, that's putting our money to work for us. And, uh, you know, and again, I think, you know, better investing is always, um, been very patriotic. And, you know, we say, let's own a piece of America, invest in America. And um, I think at different times, people have said to me, how can you stay motivated to do this? You know, why do you keep doing it? And I said, I like to learn about companies, you know, being in better investing really keeps you on top of technology. Maybe you don't have a great depth of it. But you know, sometimes I think you feel like, when you're, um, I, I retired about five years earlier than, than, you know, most people do. I, because I was in a position I could, but one thing I was, you know, a little bit concerned with is, am I going to kind of get out of touch with the business world? Am I, you know, um, but, but when you, um, are searching for new stocks and you have to make stock reports, I think you are more on top of, emerging companies and emerging markets. And I feel more with it when I talk to my kids, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so um, I, I enjoy that. And, you know, and another, um, I'd say, a benefit of um, following um, the market and making presentations and evaluating, I feel um, that I was a more valuable employee um, because I had to make um, proposals, business proposals for new publishing programs to our senior management. And I felt um, on, on par with our finance people because I could read you know, financial statements and P&Ls and um, return on investment and, right. a, and a lot Balance of things. And yeah, of yeah, and all of that. And um, you know, so I think it really helped me. And I think another advantage is too, um, you know, for others who maybe they don't necessarily want to um, manage a portfolio or make the trades. And maybe somebody in their family or another friend is, is their financial advisor. Well, I think it equips you to be able to um, converse and understand and ask really good questions of financial advisors. Yeah, well, I I have two things um, as we start to wrap up. Mm -hmm. Again, going back to the just the specifics, you know, um, you were able, because you started investing early, earlier, right? Mm-hmm. Early is relative. Um, and I'm going to say uh, investing aggressively. And I have to use that word because right now, um, people who don't know how to invest or know the language or the, I'll say the vocabulary of investing, when they sit down with a financial planner or a um, Uh, a benefits person when they're signing up for their company's 401k they're going to be have some things put in front of them and the only words they're going to hear is you want to be in this conservative option 
or you want to be in this aggressive option. And when I was talking to Doug on the show, you know, I, I said it just recent, I, it recently dawned on me that that language of conservative versus aggressive is misleading. No um, doubt. Mm -hmm. and, and really only within, well, from my perspective, only within the better investing community, shout out to Howard Johnson, who's like, hey, I'm, I've been 100% in equities since I was 60 years old. And within the world of finance or financial advisors, that's unheard of, that's unrecommended, you know, but we have a very different perspective on um, what aggressive really is, what risk really is and how we mitigate our risk. Um, so I did wanna do that, you know, quick plug to help people just understand how language can be especially within finance and investing, dig below the word if you can. You know, be willing to ask questions and ask people to explain more mm -hmm. because, you know, if a better investing member is using the word risk, I guarantee you it's different than your financial advisor. If a better right. investing member is using the word growth and value, it's probably going to be different than uh, a, a financial planner or a financial advisor. So um, I just, you know, wanted to, to plug that in there to encourage people not to get frustrated, but to realize that as they start to learn, um, you're going to realize that there are different sources and you can interpret the information um, differently and better investing really helps equip you to go into any space, whether it be cryptocurrency, trading, long-term investing, commodities, and at least know what questions to ask. That's right. Mm -hmm. I yeah. agree. And, so and what, again, we're learning yeah, all the time. And I'm, I'm, you know, thinking of, you know, being a novice and when you're first getting, um, you know, some experience and by having, I think, some successful experiences and, and meeting, you know, again, talking about all the people that you can meet all over the country and, and um, at the national convention. And now with online um, clubs, uh, you know, you can, you can be a member of a club with people from all over the United States. And that's something else that, um, you know, I really enjoyed at uh, the national convention is at the meal functions, going and sitting at a table with people I've never met before, and then talking about, you know, where they're from. So, you know, what are the leading companies in your area? You know, what are the industries? I bet your club invests in some of these local companies because they know them. And of course, and with pride, they talk about, you know, the different um, companies that are located in their state or in their home area. And, uh, you know, it, it's just, you know, really interesting to get uh, a variety of, um, you know, information and, um, you know, sources of, of, of uh, new uh, companies. Right. Well, one of the things I wanted, these are the last two things oh. I wanted mm -hmm. to talk about um, the first one is going back to this brokerage account, right? Uh -huh. After you and your husband have maxed out your retirement accounts, you started buying from uh, companies directly at that yes. time through Better Investing's uh, low-cost investment plan. But that was a program that utilized the investor relations department of many of our corporate partners allowing yes. people to buy at least one share of stock directly from the company. Okay, that's done. Talk to us about getting those statements, seeing what compound interest really was, having that experience. And if, if you want to share, you know, fine, if not about, let's say, one company that you started with and over the lifespan of your children, um, 17, 18 years that you sold to pay for, or at least contribute greatly to their college education. And 
did you buy those stocks for that intended purpose purpose like did you start investing for their college when they were born or was it kind of sometime after when you realized oh I probably should start growing the money Mm -hmm. to really pay for their college right I think you know it's it's when they were you know probably under 10 um you know they were young they were young but started the fund um and, and, and two, I did do 529s also, but at that time you were really limited in your to, options in the options. And, um, you know, at that time, I think, uh, CDs were paying, I don't know, four or 5%. So I think that was one of the options. And again, because I had, um, other, you know, my, uh, low cost plans that were starting to build up. But, you know, if you're talking about, well, what were some of the um, companies that I invested in um, and into the uh, mergers and acquisitions and, and what where they went through um, was um, Texaco became Chevron. That, that was um, one Upjohn, which became Pharmacia that later became um, Pfizer. So, mm. so, um, yeah. And I think any, you know, long-term investor with, uh, you know, in, in investment clubs have, um, started, you know, with one company and then, uh, you know, right, going right. through yeah. many ownerships and iterations. Yeah. I had that happen when I bought uh, Tricon global through the better investing low cost plan. Mm-hmm. Um, Tricon global was a three company spinoff from Pepsi. Mm-hmm. At that time, I bought it after they spun off, which was Tricon Global. And then now they are, I forget the name, but Tricon was like KFC, Pizza Hut, and Long John Silver. And then Wait, now- Wasn't it oh, Yum, Yum Brands? Yum Brands, Yum Brands. Yeah. yeah. Now it's Yum Brands, yeah. So uh-huh. we definitely, you know, as long-term investors have experienced that kind of you know, you start with one great company and then what happens mm-hmm. with an acquisition uh-huh. or a merger. Um, and I, I'm glad you said that you started investing for your children's education when they were under 10, because mm-hmm. I think that that really puts it in perspective, you know, and is an encouragement to parents of middle schoolers or elementary schoolers or preschoolers to say, hey, you know, because really that that only leaves a runway of, you mm-hmm. know, eight to 10 years. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I think most people think I, I, I don't really know what a lot of other people did have done, but, you know, you save a certain amount every month. What are you going to do? Leave it in a savings account? <laughs> you know, I mean, when you don't know anybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you just you just can't do that. Um, one of the things I wanted to mention, I was, you know, again, thinking of, um, you know, the, the discussion we're going to have tonight and something, something new that I did this year that I had not done before. And in the, um, whether it's the psychological feeling you get from it, I, um, gifted some shares of stock to, uh, you know, it was a philanthropic effort. Okay. So it would be appreciated shares of stock. Okay. And, and how was that? Uh, it worked out great. And in fact, it was to better investing. You can wow. go online and um, gift shares of stock. And so I wanted to give back to better investing. But it's mm-hmm. interesting the feeling that you get when you, you know, I, I looked at, you know, one of my favorite stocks. And it's appreciated. And so, you know, I kind of had a number in mind. And so I, you know, the shares that day. And so, um, you know, instead of writing a check, it's, you know, it's like taking the house money and, um, you know, sending it off for um, to benefit someone else. How did how did how did it make you feel? That's it. I mean, it made me feel really great. It's a better feeling than writing a check. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that's personally. Because, because a check is just the money, but the stock <laughs> is going to even, is going to grow even more. Is that and, well, and, and, or, 
you know, I mean, the, the uh, organization can decide to sell it, they can decide to do whatever. But I just felt like, you know, this is what I learned by being a member. So I'm paying back through, ah. through, um, through doing this. So that's just a little, you know, personal, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, anecdote. New, le- yeah, new experience. And new I'm experience. Glad you, I'm glad you shared it because I think, you know, one thing I've learned, um, and I'm, I, I'm really living this now, is that when you've been a successful long-term investor, you have options available to you that you probably never thought could would or could be options. Like for example, you know, you mentioned being able, excuse me, to retire early, um, being able to pay for your grandkids' college education and leave them with no student debt, um, be able to contribute you and um, charitably, mm-hmm. you know, like. I'm in this space now where it's like a lot of these things are possible and I didn't recognize, I didn't start investing with those things in mind. I just started it because I didn't want to work that hard for the money, <laughs> I mean, yeah. to be honest, you know, uh-huh. yeah. but, but it, it really is a very new um, mindset and I think reality that I'm, I'm, I'm learning to live in because not just when you have money do you have options but when you've really learned how money works and how you can make money grow or allow it to grow by making good and better decisions it's just a a whole different reality than a lot of times what we're raised to do which is work hard every day on the farm and till the soil or you know, go to work every day and get the check. It's a whole, it's a whole different way. Talk a little bit about, you know, your new kind of live reality, being, being retired, you know, and and what, what kind of words of guidance or encouragement would you give widows? Because we didn't get too much about that in your story, but you know, you know, you, you became a widow in about 2008. And I think the benefit, you know, having heard your story now, you were actually an active participant in money and investing or finance, you know, the family's finances and investing before your husband died. And so talk a little bit about that transition and then talk about, you know, how you're Mm -hmm. living now. Well, yes. And I should have said that early on is that my husband and I, um, you know, did talk about sort of what our philosophy was about, you know, working, spending, saving, and and we weren't extravagant, but yet we did not, you know, skimp when there were certain things that we wanted to do and we felt fortunate about it. And, um, and again, I sort of wanted to manage the money and he was fine with that. And when I was purchasing stock and other things I do, I, I, we'd always discuss it and he, you know, and say, oh, that's fine. That's fine. So he, really did not, uh, he had confidence. And I think, you know, our uh, accounts showed, you know, we were doing quite well. So he was, he was happy to do other things. And, um, and so he was, after 25 years of marriage, um, he was diagnosed with an aggressive cancer. And so from, from diagnosis, he, he died a year later. And, um, you know, certainly it's something that you don't expect from otherwise healthy people, but it happens to people all the time. And I, you know, also say that, you know, I was really fortunate to be in the position when, when um, he did die, my youngest daughter was still in college. Um, and, you know, I, still had, um, you know, wouldn't have some expenses to pay, but not having any uh, financial worry when you're grieving and going through, you know, with children, um, losing a parent, you know, there's different things that you want to do together and, and, um, you know, help, help ease the grief. 
you know, it was actually um, parents or, or, or moms of some of my daughter's um, friends said, oh, my gosh, it just occurred to me if something happened to my husband, I don't know what I do. I would be, you know, uh, they were financially insecure. And, um, you know, I just felt like, you know, for, you know, I was just very fortunate to be in that situation. And the other thing I was very fortunate um, to be invited to join the Better Investing Board right about that time. Uh, you know, and I can be honest and say, I was called about mm, three or four months before my husband died and the nominations chair, I was so um, kind of, you know, surprised and honored to be invited to do this. And I, the, the, the wave that came over my mind right then was thinking, I am going to be alone at some time. Yes, I want to be associated with this great group of people. I will have more time and I'm going to be, you know, uh, communicating and, and working with just, you know, a wonderful, high quality, interesting group of people. And, and that's certainly the way it's been. And uh, I can't say enough about the relationships and people that I have associated with at Better Investing's um, home office, as well as the community. I mean, we're all part of the community. So. Wow. What, you know, um, thank you so much for sharing that. And, and what comes to mind is you, you were able to be so fortunate because of communication and preparation. And um, I'm so happy, Eve, that you were willing to share your story <laughs> so, on uh -huh. hashtag my investor story. I mean, because, you know, for a lot of us, we don't talk about money at home um, or we're not exposed to other people that know intelligently um, how to talk about money or how specifically how to invest successfully. And so that is really why we, you know, do this show, do this podcast, because a lot of people want the information and exactly what you said, they just need to connect with other people to mm -hmm. see how they did it. And I think that, you know, for us serving, leading by example, uh, I just want to say thank you so much for being well, a you're... wonderful Better Investing <laughs> member, uh, 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 a wonderful volunteer serving on um, the national board for uh, over, what, 10 well, years? Yeah, over 10 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much, Eve. Do you have any, um, any last words or things you want to, you know, share, close us out with? I'm just saying, I'd just like to say thank you so much for having me. And I, I guess what I can say is uh, if anybody knows Ioni's story of going to a Better Investing National Convention and going to a youth investing uh, seminar, I was there and she was nine years old. And uh, I'm just so thank pleased you for that the record. <laughs> And so, you know, and thank, thank you. I mean, I'm glad that that influence, that basic influence has now grown into, you know, your life's work and your commitment and, and you are living proof that our philosophy works. Right. And, and the younger, the better. Right. Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So, so, so thank you. No, I, and I, um, wish everyone well and um, better investing. Yes, better investing. Again, uh, check us out on betterinvesting.org. Visit us at our national convention, which is going to be June 23rd through the 26th. Um, and if you want to reach out to me specifically, go to betterinvesting.org and visit the South Florida chapter. Uh, we have a model club, we have educational events, and, um, and you can reach out to me directly through 
Catherine. So Eve, thank you so much. Again. You're welcome. And thank you for your leadership in the South Florida chapter. Yes. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure. And it's a pleasure to serve with you on the national board. Same. Uh-huh. And okay. glad, glad we have. It, Ione has brought down the average age on the board <laughs> considerably. By what, 20 years? <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, seriously, it's great to have younger people to attract younger people. And yeah. yeah, you can younger people can relate to you. So well, I'm looking really. forward to the future of better investing. I think we, uh -huh. we, I think we, I think we, we've got work. at least another 70 years oh, ahead. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Why not? Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, thank okay. you again, Eve, and thank okay. you to Take everybody care. that showed up. Thanks. Okay. Bye. Bye bye.